Now, why would the party want us all to be a bunch of Mr. Krugers? Your background is impressive, George, but uh, how does it apply to what we do here at Kruger Industrial Smoothing? Well, at the Yankees, it was uh, it was all about smoothing things over, you know, <laughs> chiseling away, grinding down. In fact, we uh, we used to call it the grind. It says here you worked at Play Now for four days. That that should be a fourteen. Let me just. <laughs> Well, George, I'll be honest, I could go either way on you. But what the hell, we need someone, huh? <laughs> you, uh... Well, because when people are apathetic, you can get the extremes more active. Yeah, the apathy that the party's installed. What's that doing for us? Well, for them, it's absolutely beautiful. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And the partner of the week, that's our, it's our website, thetodhermanshow.com, because we put it off, then we did it, we created the t-shirts, and I thought, man, I'm soon going to buy these t-shirts? And then a thousand or so sold on the first day in a few hours. And we did a second running at thetodhermanshow.com slash store. There's two choices. Yeah, apathy. That was uh, one of my favorite Seinfeld characters. Mr. Kruger <laughs> simply couldn't be bothered to care. Ah, dang it, I locked myself out of my office again. Ah, well, I'm going home. Yeah, I don't know that the party is quite as brilliant as to say, hey, let's make people really apathetic. But I do think that they're, 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 they're scheming enough to look at the political landscape and as they're installing the cultural revolution, which they are doing in the United States, that is murdering the cities, uh, filling the streets with criminals, emptying the prisons, uh, teaching young people to hate cops in Portland. They're teaching young people how to um, you know, attack cops, how to build IEDs. They're doing this with taxpayer provided monies. Uh, as they allow us to go bankrupt, open our borders, get our kids addicted to psychotropic meds. You get the drill. Um, take, our, take our military. And the army is missing its recruiting goal by, oh, 40%. So they're going to solve that in a number of ways. In fact, we'll mention one of the ways today, which has, a, of course, to do with the lowering of standards as all of this is going on and people see the rampant corruption in Washington, D.C., and they understand that there's two dinner tables, we get the kiddie table, the ones in Washington, D.C., get the adult grown-up table with the lobster. We have the bologna and cheese, which is not bad. They, um, people become apathetic. And the party is scheming enough to look at that and go, this apathy rocks. This is great. Because what apathy does in a political sense um, is the same thing it does in a spiritual sense, but spiritually it's permanent. The Lord said in Revelations 3, 15 through 20, and this is the Lord Jesus in, in Revelation talking to the various churches 
I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're a lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And spiritual lukewarmness, well, it doesn't really lead to salvation because it's kind of a whatever. And that's a permanent decision that people make. They don't understand it's permanent, but it is a permanent decision if it doesn't change. And political apathy does something a little bit different. But in the case of spiritual apathy, you think you just don't care. And Satan's saying, keep not caring. That's awesome. Because there's two extremes in that case. There is God, and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And then you have Satan who has no love, capacity to love, or capacity to create. It's the ultimate extremes. And apathy lands you in the hands, uh, in that case, in a spiritual sense, of the extreme evil. And in a societal sense, apathy lands us in the hands of the extremes because the more decent people become apathetic, the more people who could become decent people become apathetic, the more you have now a war of the extremes. Now, I happen to regard the conservative vision for America as the far more godly position than the so-called progressive position, which is truly regressive. It's a regression to the times of King's um, and serfdom, and now we watch it's a it's a it's a reversion to the times of Baal and Baal worship. And I never thought those words would ever leave my mouth, and now they just roll off the tongue because, of course, it is. We talked about this last week with Margaret Sanger's uh, occult worship and the sacrificing of babies on this enormous scale, and her seeking of enlightenment through orgies, etc. That was Margaret Sanger. And, oh, and then calling it the Negro Project, there's the racism. But the extremes in the political realm, extreme conservatism is what? Well, people would say, oh, it's Nazism. Wrong, nonsense. Extreme conservatism is small government. You could say that it is anarchy, but anarchy never exists. You know, lack of government ends up, you be, you're ruled by tribes. Extreme progressivism is dictatorship because now government does all. So I would take anarchy societally before dictatorship because anarchy, you still are protected by God. Now you are under a dictatorship as well, but a dictatorship is a fast road to a very, very, very dark place. Right? In anarchy, at least you have tribal abilities to kind of defend your tribe. Now, we're not at a tribal position yet. We're building tribes, but we're not there yet. But what apathy allows political parties to do is to play to the base. Now, interestingly, the base of the Republican Party, what does the base want? Well, law and order. Um, further and lot more and more often, they want to see corruption uh, dealt with, but a lot falls under law and order. Borders is law and order. Taking the criminals off the streets is law and order. Firing these uh, Soros-funded criminal so-called district attorneys is law and order. What do they want? They want the government to play its proper role. It is not the government's proper role to tell you what to inject in your body whenever the government feels like it. So conservatives want that limited. Conservatives want the ability to fail. They want the right to fail. Conservatives want the right to start, experiment, and fail. The conservatives want to see restored the right to parent. 
The conservatives want that. They want fiscal discipline. That is that they do not want to live in a bankrupt nation. We are a bankrupt nation. Conservatives do not want the two dinner tables that we have, the kitty table for us and the big adult table for DC. They don't want that. They don't want globalism. Why? Because globalism is the biggest of big government. And the so-called progressives, the regressives, they want the opposite of all these things. And then in the center of this are what we decided to call social issues, although there's no such thing as a social issue. So what happens in apathy, when the more and more people become apathetic, the political parties can play more and more to their base. Apathetic people make decisions based upon one thing. It's called the, uh, it's called the, the, the beer rule. They decide at the last moment for whom to vote based upon the person with whom they'd like to have a beer. That used to be the case. Now, in modern politics, it's much more about who did I last hate? And it is a creation of voting as an act of mental illness. There's a, there's a condition called borderline personality disorder. It's a fascinating condition. And one of the markers of this is someone who is truly borderline, they can't see people in shades of gray. So if you have a friend who's borderline and you guys have a disagreement about something, even if something as, as, as silly as where to go to dinner, that person will perceive you as bad, Todd. Not that, not that I had an argument with my friend, not that my friend and I disagreed, not, not, not that we quarrel. Bad, Todd. Whereas when you do something nice for them, you're good, Todd. You're two separate people. The, the, the voting is an act of mental illness is people go into a voting, it's not voting booths anymore. We send in mail so it can be manipulated and, and cheated with. Um, they're doing this based upon who do I hate least? And who did I last want to see dead, frankly, to be blunt? That's, that's a lot of where this is at. Now, I'd rather have apathy in some ways than voting driven by rage. Because rage is an unholy emotion. So is apathy, as the Lord Jesus said, at least in a spiritual sense. And there is no such thing as a secular world. So let's not say, well, yeah, I'm apathetic about politics, but I'm very passionate about uh, my faith. No, you're not. Because if you're passionate about your faith as a Christian, you would understand that there's no such thing as a secular world because God created everything and everybody. So you don't have, you don't, don't get to say that. But sometimes this is flat, flat amusing. Um, and sometimes it's been so predicted. I cannot communicate to you enough how shocked I was as I was prepping for the show, thinking about what's an academic model for this, for apathy and installing it. Did anyone talk about this? Chomsky. Noam Chomsky. There's an extract from his work, Manufacturing Consent. It's called a propaganda model by Edward Herrmann and Noam Chomsky. Now, Chomsky's a lunatic in many ways. But he's also a keen political observer in some ways, particularly as it comes to manipulation by media. Now, of course, his solution to things is communism and state control. And in that way, he's very much what you would expect of a leftist, which is someone who wants to be a god. 
But by the same token, he's keen enough at the mechanisms of power and how they work that he goes through and, and, and analyzes the filters of media that lead to a hypnotized populace, a populace that has no real awareness of what's actually going on. He talks about the size of the media. He talks about limited ownership. He talks about advertising as a business model. Well, good gracious, look at how big pharma owns things. And the consolidation in the media has gotten more pronounced. Consequently, when there are outlying shows like Tucker Carlson's, Tucker is an amazing talent, let's say that. But there's also, he's an outlier in that Tucker speaks of things about which you're not to speak, including the role of the Lord Jesus and in faith and God in the world. He speaks of that on cable news. And I happen to know that there are many cable outlets where you're not to do that. Don't go on and start using God's name. Please don't use Jesus's name. We're not a religious network. I happen to know that. So Chomsky describes the, the, the creation of apathy by the limited, um, the limited availability of information as food. So think of it this way. When someone has had the same food their whole lives, it's very, very difficult for them to say, I want to try that because they become so habituated to this. I have young nephews. I used to babysat, sit, and they would eat five foods. And I tested that once over a period of two days. I, I wouldn't let them eat anything within those five foods. They didn't eat. They refused to eat. On the third day, I called my mom and said, these kids aren't eating. And she goes, well, they're not going to die. How am I going to starve them? So I gave in. I took them to Dairy Queen and they had their hamburger with bun only. And that was, what was it? Hamburger bun only, hot dog bun only, French fries with no sauce. That was it. That's, those are two of the five foods they would ever eat, ever. They're that way to this day. They're actually still that way. Likewise, when you get into an information flow and that information is presented to you on a plate and these are your information sources, it's very difficult to come outside of that. So it's very difficult to break with apathy. Because you're being presented, this is the narrative, and the narrative is the narrative is comforting. Now we're advanced as adults; we're not children. But there's this thing that you do with kids when you read kids a, a children's book, and you read that book over and over and over again. You notice how your kid never got sick of that, and you'd be going, "Really, you want to hear Goodnight Moon again?" Yes. Okay, and you'd read Goodnight Moon or, or one of the other favorite books. You want to hear The Giving Tree again? Yes. Yes. And sometimes as parents, we, I don't know if you ever did this, I'd get bored or sometimes I just want to test my daughter's mind. And so I'd change the story. And so Goldilocks sat down in the first bed and it was fantastic. No, dad, it was too hard. Are you sure? Yes, the bed was too hard. Why do they, why do they enjoy that? Because a child's mind is comforted by the predictability. I know how the story ends. I know the characters. I'm connected to the story. Chomsky's theory about the filters in media creates a comfort zone. Think of this. The comfort zone creates and furthers this apathy because it's predictable. You turn on the news. Well, look at that. The Republicans are doing this and the Democrats are doing that. Well, like I said, the Democrats are the good guys, Republicans are bad, or reverse it. Oh, look at this, it's time to vote again. 
Oh, look at this. That will solve it. Oh, look, we're going to have a red wave. Things are going to be okay. Oh, look, we're going to have a blue wave. Things are going to be okay. And this recreates a sort of apathy light. I mean, you go out and vote. Okay, fantastic. We should vote. That's what we're called to do as citizens of the country and as citizens of the kingdom. We're called to engage civilly and in civic society. Okay, but not be of the world. But it's a light brand of apathy in that you really step back and say, hey, did voting change anything? I'm just curious, when we had our last red wave and President Trump came in, what happened when he started to install actual change? When President Trump said, actually, I was serious. We are building a border wall. No, no, actually, I was serious. I wasn't just a campaign chatter. We are going to make, we, we are going to pressure the UN. We are going to go to NATO and say, actually, no, you are going to pay more. And if you don't, we'll stop paying. And no, I am going to go to North Korea and I'm going to convince this guy, you can't, you can't bluff me. I'll blow your country up. Or maybe I won't, but you're not going to be able to predict me. And when that started to happen, all of a sudden, you started to see these changes. Do we go back to the apathetic and go, hey, you remember when you voted for a guy who said he wanted to crush things and break things and it started to do that and gas was $2.78 or three bucks and now it's almost five? In some places, it was seven for a while. Do you remember that? Do you remember when we became a net exporter of oil and petroleum? Do you remember that? Do you remember when we started to be able to be energy independent in all of these things? And do you remember unemployment at that range before they installed the Great Reset? And what are people saying? Wait, wait, wait. Take me back to normal. Take me back to normal. I want my comfort story back. I like the part of the story where Republican good, Democrat bad. I like the part of the story where the next election is going to rescue us. I like the part of the story where there are rock ribs, stand up tall, like an oak Christian conservatives leading this country in the personage of Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. I like that story. I like the story where the Democrats are simply our misled friends and allies and Nancy Pelosi isn't actually, you know, enjoying killing babies. She just is misled. I liked that part of the story where it was very clean and and Dr. Fauci just made mistakes and Deb Burks was doing her best. And these are all public servants and darn the luck. It just didn't work. I, I really liked that story. I really liked the part where the vaccines came to save us and the masks were our friends. And, and I really liked that part where a critical race theory is just talking about racism and just talking about slavery. I like that part of the story because that's a comforting part of the story. So you have two choices mentally. One is to look at that and go, wow, that's really uncomfortable. They actually did try to force us to take poison injections. Look at that. Wow, Fauci knew all along. Wow, critical race theory is actually teaching people to be racist. You can look at that. You can accept it with the inherent pain because it's painful to realize this is going on in our country. Or you can utterly deny it and say, no, absolutely not. This is the opposite. Or you can go, oh, this hurts. I don't care. I give up. You see people in long-term relationships that have given up. You see that with people just given up. Hey, where's your wife? I don't know. You guys getting together tonight? Nah, I don't know. You see people give up in their careers. Hey, you going to go for that, uh, that advancement? Nah, not going to consider me. You'll see people give up in cancer wards. 
sometimes that's the best decision, honestly. But if you're young and you got a lot of time, why? Politically, that apathy is so very sweet for the party. And I think they've learned to take advantage of it because we're going to go through some models and some examples. And we're going to do it in a pretty, I'm stealing from a friend, David Bowes, was a really great talk show host. Now is at a think tank. Call it the rapid fire model that just proved this can be nothing. That, that without apathy, this could never happen. Some of them are funny. Some of them are tragic. Some of them are tragically funny. It is not apathy. Um, it is love. And incidentally, the opposite of love is not hatred. Uh, the opposite of love is indifference. And my friend John, who is the, uh, the guy who actually runs Allen's Soaps, I don't want to say he was apathetic. I don't know that he's ever been an apathetic man about anything. Um, but he was a man whose passions were all about politics and about business and money. And then he found the Lord, but in a very, very cool way. Some of us just have, yeah, I went to church and I said, this all makes sense. And so now I've decided to follow God. Um, John's journey came with pain. His sons, he has three of them. Two of them are deeply, deeply impacted by autism. Now I want to be super clear here. Um, there's no cognitive dissonance in John's mind when he's talking about his son, Alan, who is the chief soap officer of Alan's Artisan Soaps. He's a creative boy. He's soon to be 12. In fact, I saw some pictures from a birthday party the other day. He's hanging out with a cool looking kind of alien type dinosaur dude, striking a pose, Alan was. Um, John and his wife are filled with joy. They love their sons. There's no cognitive dissonance there at all. But there was the pain of knowing that their son would, would be told by companies, oh, you're not useful. And told by governments, wow, like you guys, you know, you could have aborted them, right? When you know there's, there's, there's pre-birth tests you could have done and found out this was going to happen and, and you could go to like Mexico and well, you could get it done here. You could have, you didn't abort them. And now John looks at his son and his joy at coming up with like new sense of soaps. The lilac applewood has taken over my family. My wife and daughter fell in love with it. This is the new soap from Allen's Artisan Soaps. Then there is pure. And I mentioned this to a friend the other day. He goes, so it has no scent? I go, yeah, he goes, I want that. I want that because I have a cologne I really like and all the other soaps collide with that. I'll take the pure. There's also this, there's a way for you to try these soaps that is pretty risk-free. And that is that there are these bars that get a little bit beat up during the shipping process. Instantly, these are made in America. They're small batch. They've got three decades of soap making experience behind them. So you can get these at a discount. It's called Factory Seconds. And there's nothing wrong with the soap. They just can't sell them retail. So you get these Factory Seconds. There's a limited supply of the new Lilac Applewood Seconds. Only available to the listeners of this show only at allenssoaps.com slash Todd. That's allenssoaps.com slash Todd, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. And when listeners of the show purchase this new Lilac Applewood and Pure, they get a 10% off and a free Sissel pouch when they use the coupon Todd, a code Todd at checkout. Buy one of each, two for one of this Todd Herman Show exclusive. allenssoaps.com slash Todd. The opposite of love is not hatred. 
It's indifference, and this is far from indifferent company. All right, rapid fire, just to prove what they're able to do with apathy. This is Cori Bush. She's asked a question about the figurehead running for president again. Do you want to see Joe Biden run for a second term? She's got to go. Yeah, I, you know. Uh, that's an easy question. That's not going to take long. Do you want to see Joe I, Biden I don't run? want to answer that question because we have not, that's not, yeah, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Um, I mean, he's the president and he has the right to to run for a second term. Absolutely. That's, but right but I don't want to, I don't, I don't want, I'd rather you not do that. <laughs> yeah, I know I got to get to the Well, thanks very much. Yeah, she doesn't have time to say yes. <laughs> See, apathy allows people like Cory Bush to to be in Congress. She's accomplished nothing except well, threatening people. She's good at that and I mean it, threatening people. And you want to talk about people threatening armed insurrections and then she's asked this question and it's it's that's why I played the Seinfeld thing at the beginning. The, the apathetic boss. She's supposed to be the boss. The reporter asks her the question, do you want the figurehead to run again? Uh, oh, she's got to go. Says the, the, the guy who's supposedly working for Cori Bush. She's got to go. And then, yeah, and at least give Cori some credit. I don't want to answer that question. At least that's honest. And then she says, because we haven't, and the, the end of that sentence is, we haven't agreed on what we're going to say. We haven't developed our, 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 our strategy in this. We don't know if we're going to back the figurehead or not. We haven't decided that. We don't know what the figurehead's going to do for us. We don't know what sort of payoffs we're going to get. We don't know what he's going to do for our districts. We don't know how much campaign money he's going to pour into our coffers. We don't know how much our friends who run our packs are going to get. We don't know how he's going to hire friends and neighbors of ours throughout the neighborhood. We're not sure what sort of walking around money Hunter's going to give us. Plus, I hear he's got great meth from his bio labs in Ukraine. I haven't got the, you know, I've gotten to avail myself of any of that. Apathy gets us to that point that a yes or no answer due to water running is too much and she admits it. They love this because with apathy, you can say just about anything you want. Like again, to go back to Seinfeld, I don't want to come in the work there. Okay, George, have a good day. It's the perfect place for a Costanza. It should have been George's, you know, stay forever job. Young people, millennials are giving up. They're, they're not involving some, themselves in the political process, except for those who are obsessed. And what is the left teaching young people about politics? It is the only way to have significance. It is the only thing bigger than yourself. It is the only way to affect change. And everything is life or death. Everything is life or death. That's what they teach young people. They have taken the apathetic and accepted it and explored that and said, you know what? We think this works in our favor if we're smart about the way we use the apathetic, then in the, towards the ends of elections, that's where we come out and the world is melting and everybody's dying. And take this vote at the last second to save everybody on earth. But to the non-apathetic, they're saying to them, you can't have significance in your jobs. Because those are going to computers. 
unless you're a high roller and getting into the infotech space or media, you're not going to have great jobs. You're going to come out with debt. And secondly, we all know that unless you have a million followers on the Insta, you're not really important. And so they make everything life and death for people like this, which allows a middling personality like Al Gore to amass wealth by telling a tale that has been told since the times of the Nazis. Yes, the Nazis talked about climate change and how this was an evil that we had to confront. And every regime has, well, not every regime, but so many regimes have. And apathy allows people like Al Gore, who's a man of some talents, he's scheming, He's clever in terms of how to use stuff like this, but he's a Midland personality. Time for all of us to step up. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams. They heard the gunshots. Yeah, it's exactly like that. That's exactly what disagreeing about human caused climate change is like. It's exactly like standing outside of a door while children are being murdered when you have a weapon and there's 400 of you and one of them and the capacity to stop it. It's exactly that way. In the minds of the last minute apathetic voter and in the hearts and emotions of the people that the party chooses to animate with rage. Oh, and here's the scary part. Rage begets rage. Unless we're grounded on something else. See, the apathy works to tear apart society because the middle doesn't hold because the middle is apathetic. Rage begets rage. Only so long will people watch their cities burn down. Only so long will people be told you are evil because you're white. Only so long will people not react violently when their kids are gender jacked or put in the room with a pedophile teacher, which everybody should have known as a pedophile teacher. We'll get to that because everybody should have known. Only so long can you get away with that without acts of violence because rage begets rage. Unless... You stand on a different foundation. Unless you stand on a foundation of love and with the ultimate authority and knowledge of the ultimate authority. And even then, if we believe in God, but we are apathetic, if we are lukewarm, then we're not taking the word into the public square. We're not acting as disciple makers. We're acting as consumers of the word rather than people who've been changed by it. And so the apathy is a way that the middle never holds. And apathy is the way that the extremes tug at the edges. And apathy is a way to really divide because there's fewer and fewer people you have to target in your divisive methods. That's one example. I guess it's not as rapid fire as I thought it would be. So these things are fascinating to me, these sort of dynamics. So what about uh, China and apathy? You know, what would, uh, what would our friends, the Seinfeld character, his name Mr. Kruger, what would Mr. Kruger say 
Hey, did you know China's stealing our secrets? Ah, whatever. Locked myself out of my office. I'm going home. The uh, people at, at Soda Weight Loss are not apathetic. They are the opposite of apathetic. See, the opposite of love is not hatred, it's indifference. I talked to the doctor who was one of the founders of Soda Weight Loss at sodaweightloss.com. He is so utterly passionate about their results. And in the conversation, he said to me, listen, I, I know you're busy, but please promise that you're going to go look at our, at our reviews. Go look at them. I said, no, doctor, I will. He goes, a lot of, you know, I get it. I know, but I want you to really read them. Promise me you'll read like 30 of them and not just the first page. Like, in fact, go back to the back and read them from the beginning. And I said, no, doc, I'll do that. And then he said, so how's your, how's your journey in, in weight loss going fat loss? And I told him where I'm at and body composition. He goes, Ooh, I'd like to see a picture of that. I go like of me, he goes, no, not no offense, not of you, but no, I'd like to see your body composition. I'd like to see a picture of that screenshot. That sounds like you've done a good job. Send it to him. And I get a call back. Hey, that's, that's impressive. Good. You've kept that weight off 150 pounds. Yeah. In fact, I'm going for a little bit more. He's so passionate about the success. He goes, oh, 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 Darren, tell Todd about, there was a radio host we work with, Todd, um, and I never got to meet him. Darren, what's that guy's name who took off 150 pounds and, and didn't have to go into surgery? Then I hear this, this conversation between Darren, who does marketing for soda, and oh, it's this guy's name. And now, now I'm very familiar with that guy's story. In fact, I've heard him talk about it. It's utterly amazing. Passion. They're not lukewarm. When you maintain the fat loss that they know you can do because they're so good at this. Soda stands for state of the art. They're so good at this that they'll tell you, we expect that you'll take this amount of fat off your body per week, which will equate to this much in money, in investment. And when that happens, it's so fun because they are so celebratory. Even if it's, you know, two and a half to three and a half to five pounds a week, it adds up, or actually it subtracts down. I love working with these guys. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. Only apathy can get you to this point. <laughs> Tell me the Chinese Communist Party doesn't dig our apathy and dictator Chi. Legal insurrection reports that uh, they're quoting themselves a report. China-made Hawaii equipment can disrupt U.S. military and nuclear communications. The equipment is capable of capturing and disrupting highly restricted Defense Department communications, including those used by the U.S. Strategic Command, which oversees the country's nuclear weapons. <laughs> now, why am I laughing? I don't know about you, but I read about a company that is aligned with the Chinese Communist Party getting to sell any tech to us. And I laugh. Want to know why? My grandpa, God love him. Grandpa came to the house and I was changing a tire on, on um, my mom's Mazda truck. Because there's a flat tire. My mom said, hey, I got a flat in the driveway. Can you go change it? Sure. And my grandpa pulls up and he sees this, this uh, Jack and he laughs and laughs. He goes, oh, Toto, uh, the Japanese, if we ever get attacked, another Pearl Harbor, all they have to do is shoot our tires out. And uh, you don't have a real Jack. You have to pull out that stupid 
A-frame. I <laughs> put that little. He's talking about the man jacks. Do you remember the man jacks? Do you remember that in uh, in a decent car? It was uh, it was a big long piece of metal, and it had a it had a like hand shaped wedge on it, and you put the base on it, you put it under the bumper, you jacked it up, and the car's up in the air. Change the you know change the tire, put it back down. Yes, yes, yes. I know. Loosen the lug bolts while the tires in the ground. The new jacks. If you're in an emergency, we've got a flat tire and the, and the Taliban are after us. Okay, pull over. This shouldn't take more than 15 or 20 minutes. I need to find that star wrench uh, to loosen the jack, which is hidden under part of the drivetrain. I need to pull up the, uh, I need to pull up the hatchback and then unscrew the tabs around the end. And then there's a star wrench I got to find. I pull that out and then I have to lower the spare tire using a, uh, it's on a cable system. It shouldn't take more than 15 or 20 minutes. Can we get a timeout from the Taliban? And that, that was my grandpa talking about a car jack. And someone in government said, uh, we'd like to propose that the Chinese Communist Party um, be included in bids. Uh, for our core uh, strategic uh, defense systems at Hawaii computers. Uh, son, why would the United States Defense Department even entertain having the Chinese Communist Party in, involved in any way in our, in our core technical assets? Uh, um, well, uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Well, I'm sold, son. You're a great American. True story. Take this to a marriage level. Hey, honey, my ex-wife made you a, a meal. She what? She made you a meal. What is it? She says it's a magic apple. <laughs> no, I'm not eating the magic apple from your wife. I've watched every Disney remake of every grim fairy tale. Speaking of the army, the army is on pace uh, to miss its recruiting numbers by about eh, 40%. I mean, that can't lead to any harm really. Oh, pardon me. I got it wrong. It's going to miss its recruiting numbers by 60%. Well, that's not bad. I mean, what would Mr. Kruger say? I don't care, George. I'm going home. I locked myself out of my office. This is from Army Times. And it's funny because they never mention in here the injection diktats as the cause. They mention them. They say that people who are not, quote, vaccinated don't qualify. But you'll be surprised, perhaps, to learn who may well qualify. As of June, according to an Army spokesperson, the Army had hit only 40% of its recruiting goal uh, for the fiscal year 2022. Reasons contributing to the plunging recruitment are complex, including more detailed medical screening, a shrinking proportion of Americans eligible to serve, poor marketing practices, low civilian unemployment, and more. In the face of these challenges, the Army is pulling at nearly all the stops to ensure the ranks are filled. Um, you know what's not in there is, hey, do I have to go listen to critical race theory? Yes, you do. Am I, as a man, going to have to shower with women? Yes. Am I, as a woman, going to have to shower with men? Yes. Do we have clear strategic objectives? No. 
Am I going to be under the, uh, the, the command of a senile old man who's clearly a figurehead and I won't ever really know who's running the country? Well, sure. That's just it's just Amtrak Joe being Joe. Do I have to get injected with an mRNA injection that um, the, 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 even the frauds at the CDC admit do nothing to help anybody? that they don't stop infection, they don't stop transmission. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. And- Am I going to have to get injected with that stuff to be in the Army? Well, yes, son, you are. What if I've already had the COVID? Well, son, we don't care. Now, come on in and do your duty. Um, so who is going to qualify? Well, if you're not injected, not you. If you haven't graduated high school, not you. Now, they're changing that you can have tattoos. That's cool. Of course, you can go in and say that you pretend you're a woman if you're a man and that's cool. But then there's this. The army has planned to establish a special training camp for applicants with low scores, um, qualifying exams, and those who exceed body fat standards beyond the usual waiver threshold. The service is weighing a special task force at Fort Jackson to train them to be the, to the entry standard before they can go, before they go to basic. Now, I'm vitally aware I just talked about our partner's soda weight loss. I just mentioned that I dropped 150 pounds of fat from my body. Got it. I wouldn't have qualified in terms of body mass index. Um, Newsflash, I probably would have qualified in terms of the physical test, though, but not the body mass index. So it's not to say everybody who's heavy couldn't qualify for this, but there's a big reason for, for safety, for, for performance standards. Apathy gets us to this point. We've so destroyed the brand of the army. We've so destroyed it amongst conservatives who want to serve the country in that capacity. We've so destroyed that, that we're going to instead turn to people who are not physically capable of being in battle. And even if we take them through training camp so they can go to boot camp, they have not lived lives of discipline that indicates they can continue to maintain these physical standards. They have never been involved in physical activity and it comes to some sort of you know physical sport like wrestling or boxing. Do they have the capacity to go out and defend their own lives or the lives of their troop mates or teammates? Do they? No. Apathy. It's not just political. This is where it leads. And tell me China doesn't dig this. Now, who's behind the gender ideology push? China. Who wants us focusing all our energies on the climate? China. Who criticizes any move we make to close our borders? China. What are they doing with their military? Um, They're making genetically engineered killers. I'm not kidding. That's, that's their intent. There's this. When a young woman gets conned into becoming, or conned, I shouldn't say that, makes the decision, some get conned, some make the decision to become surrogates to let men use their bodies to have babies, or parents, parents, it's not always just men. And I know that there's a lot of emotion behind this. I, I, I understand that there are people who cannot get pregnant. I, I do understand this. And I beg you to pray about the role or the, the, the rights of the child in that circumstance. I beg you to pray. Does a child have a right to know the parent? God chose the body in which that child would gestate. Does that child have the right to know the biological parent?
I'd beg you to think about that. I beg you to think about adoption as opposed to surrogacy. There's this. Women who agree to be surrogate parents can be contractually forced to abort the child. So a woman is made pregnant. The couple says, you know what? This isn't a real convenient time for us. There's a lot of trips coming up and not good. Kill the baby. And the woman who's feeling the life grow within her can say, no, I'll, I'll raise the child. No, no. Contract is you'll kill the baby. I don't want to have an abortion. Yeah, well, if you don't, then you're going to owe us a quarter million dollars. Apathy gets us to this point. Apathy. Um, there is the apathy that, what was it, 60 days ago? 60 days ago, we began to learn about monkeypox spreading. And 60 days ago, it was stoppable. Easily. All it took was for men who have sex with men to take a couple of weeks off from having sex. That's all it would have taken. Now, with the upper respiratory virus like, like SARS-CoV-2 can't, can't be stopped with lockdowns. Australia proves that. Countless studies prove that. Can't be stopped with masks. Again, countless studies. But in the case of a disease like monkeypox, which is primarily passed through sexual contact, it can be stopped by a ceasing of sexual contact for two weeks. For 60 days, the apathetic CDC, who wants us to be apathetic about healthcare because they want us to say, oh, it's so complicated. I don't know who to trust. I give up. I'm just going to trust the government. They want that so badly. They wait 60 days until Rochelle Walensky comes out and very, very reluctantly speaks the truth. Um, we do have seen now two cases that have occurred in children. Both of those children um, are traced back to uh, individuals who come from the men who have sex with men community, the gay men, uh, men community. Um, and so when we have seen those cases in children, they have generally been what I call adjacent to the community most at risk. Adjacent to. Well, let's hope it's just an adjacency and not an infliction of sexual desire upon these children. And by the way, this is apathy too that we've gotten to this point because it's hard. It's so hard. Oh, I got to have my discussion with my family member. And uh, like I have a family member whose who's, um, kid is same-sex attracted and he is the single best kid in the world. I love him. And if he needed two kidneys, I'd say, I've lived a good long life, buddy. You got him. And I wouldn't even think twice. Such a, such a good kid. And one day I anticipate that he and I will have this conversation and I'm far from apathetic. I rehearse it. Not because I want to read a speech to him, but because I want him to, uh, I want the Lord to take over and for him to hear this from me. But the other way to do this is apathy. Oh, you know what? I just don't want to fight. It's so pervasive. Fine. And there's that giving in. Fine. And you can see the body language. Fine. No. When the Lord carried his cross, you know he was weeping, tired, weary, exhausted, beaten, bleeding, tortured. He could have said, 
It is finished here. And it would have been. He didn't. Because the work, the promise had not been fulfilled. The, the, the prophecies had not been fulfilled. The apathy can come through weariness. Do I have to say it again about transgender? Yes. And you get to levels like this. You get to situations like this. This is a bit of a speech. I don't think I can play it all because I don't know that I can stomach it. I'll just let you hear the speech and then I'll fill in the backgrounds uh, on the speaker who's making these statements and how this is affected by apathy. I'm a resident, townie, taxpayer, vaccinated and functioning, graduate of this high school, class of 1999, proud member of the LGD, LGBTQIA community, and an employee of Mount Pleasant Public Schools. Thank you. I really cannot speak any more eloquently than the people who have spoken before me tonight. But what I can say is that for the last five years, I have had the profound privilege of working with your students, with your students, with your students. Points three and I can places. tell you this, they are hungry for knowledge. They are so hungry for knowledge that despite your words, your wishes, your values, they will learn on their own. So many of your children are hurting, questioning, struggling in this world that we have created. They are simultaneously being taught to celebrate and to hate who they are. I can't deny that. Every day. Ultimately, they will become who they will become with or without us. Give them the chance, the grace, and the support to embrace their own learning. They're going to do it anyway, no matter what you say or do, no matter how many candles you light, no matter how many rallies you hold. With liberty and justice for all. They will do what they will do with or without you. He's been arrested. Um, and I don't know that it will surprise you for what? You heard he works there at the school, right? Well, according to the Clash Daily, and this is verified by a local news report, though they've put that behind the subscription window because they're getting such a huge number of clicks on it that, hey, why make ad money? Why not make people sign up that they'll never come back to the Mount Pleasant Morning Sun, but so be it. Oh, by the way, the local media Mount Pleasant Morning Sun apparently makes no mention of the fact that this guy works at the school. Um, his name, according to the Clash Daily, is 41-year-old Eric Roman. He apparently was arrested with two other men Thursday and Friday morning during an online child sexting orchestrated by the Isabella County Sheriff's Office. This, uh, the three men, including this guy, Roman, of Mount Pleasant, were arrested on an undis at an undisclosed location, according to a press release from the Isabella County Sheriff's Office. All three were arrested for using a computer to commit a crime and accosting a minor for immoral purposes. 
Police edge, um, allege that the three communicated with various social media apps, decoys, posing as children. The three are accused of going to a location to have sex with a child where they were arrested. The three have yet to be charged criminally. According to the um, according to the press release, the FBI was involved, the Michigan State Police, the Michigan State Police Analytics Unit, Cement and Mint Narcotics Unit, Shepherd Police Department, Isabelli County Central Dispatch. Strangely, it writes here in the Clash Daily, the Morning, Morning Sun, and none of the other news outlets makes mention of the fact that Roman was an employee of the Mount Pleasant School District. Clearly an oversight, right? Apathy. It was apathy people landed on. School board meetings? Those are so late and so long. Oh, it's so hard. But what's happened now that people have gone? What's happened? If the Lord Jesus had given up walking up to Gethsemane and said, this is a really long walk. I am tired. My back is ripped open. People can see my ribs. Let's just do it here. It is finished and laid down. What would have happened? Even if he rose again in the third day, what would have happened? He had that moment. Everybody saw it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh my goodness. He is dying the way he lived. Oh my goodness, the sun has gone and the earth is shook and the temple curtain has come down and oh my goodness, this was the son of God, many said. Oh, and then when he rose again, and then when he showed himself sometimes to hundreds of people and then Pentecost, when he was no longer there and the Holy Spirit took place, took his place in a way, 3,000 people baptized in a single day. They could have been apathetic. It's so hard, but they weren't. And the world changed and the doors open and our redemption hangs upon that moment where they chose the opposite of inaction, of indifference. They chose engagement. The political process will not deliver us. Apathy is an understandable response to these jokes. But remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he talked about apathy. And now I know your deeds. He's describing, he's speaking to one of the churches here, as I said, Revelation. And now I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one of these. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put in your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Far from apathetic. The passion must be focused. Last hour, we shared the Lord's Prayer together. Remember, we personalized it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done through me as you will it. The Lord does not will apathy. And the Lord will reward engagement. And I thank all of you who are engaged and all of you who made a decision today 
to become ultimately engaged. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be engaged in building the kingdom because that will get us the greatest consolation prize in history, the rescue of America, and the only prize that matters, eternity with Christ. 